Hey everyone, Lou Mavs here from the Music is Live podcast with a really important question. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get Music is Life off the ground, I had a lot of questions, such as how do I record an episode, how do I get my show into all the apps that people like to listen, and how do I make money from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is real simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. This means that you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. Since I started my YouTube channel, I've been able to edit the audio on iMovie and then bump it to Anchor and distribute it on the podcast to everybody. And I still use Anchor to record audio-only podcasts. So if you always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me, Lou Maz of the Music is Live podcast, and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Looking for some new podcasts to listen to? Well, Rat Sound Review Network has plenty of shows to choose from. Like Rat Sound Review, where they discuss the latest rock and metal news, as well as interviews and albums. Album vs. Album, the King Diamond Podcast, with Wayne Noon, Greg Noggle, and sometimes this guy. Schmackamagob! Ralph Vieira is also on our network with the Vieira Bowl. There's also Old Man Metal's Musings, where he discusses heavy metal and beer. Music is Life with Lou Mavs. The right opinion for those who love politics. A South Park podcast called Suck My Balls. The Infinite Fringe. A watch-along wrestling show called Beyond Bushido. Ex-Stradivarius guitarist, the Timo Tolki podcast. And the great Harry Barnett with I Don't Even Like Podcast and The Laugh Cast. So check out RatSoundReview.com or search RatSoundReview on YouTube, Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. You're listening to the Music is Life podcast with your host, Lou Mabs, on the Rat Sound Review Network. Live podcast, your host Lou Mavs, right here. Check everything out you need to know about the show over at musicislivepodcast.com. I have an incredibly special guest on the show tonight. This person has three singles out on iTunes, and with every song, I enjoy their music more and more. But the last song that they just released, Better Days, holy shit! <laughs> Check it out. That's all I'm gonna say. If you go look behind them, they have a Death Note poster. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, you're a fan. Oh, my God, am I? The movie sucked, but the anime was awesome. Yeah, exactly how I feel. Although I will say that I thought Willem Dafoe was well-casted. I will say that. I mean, the guy was Green Goblin, but neither here nor there. We're not here to talk about Willem Dafoe. 
We're here to talk about Baby Ghost. Baby Ghost is in the fucking house, so I'm excited. <laughs> I'm stoked as well. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Awesome. Trying to get myself organized, you know, um, pick up the pieces along the way. And you just had a big milestone in your life, right? You just graduated from school University college? of Redlands College, yep. Wonderful, congratulations. Thank you, thank you. What was your major? I actually created my own major. So I went to this weird um, school within a school where you can craft your own curriculum and your own major. And then you have no general education requirements or like LAFs or anything. You simply have what you say you're going to do. And then if you do that, if you change your course, whatever, you just have to make sure you come back and explain yourself at the end of the process. So there's two committees that happen throughout the four years where you say what you're going to do. And then the last committee is, did you do it? Or did you do something else and why? So my major was called understanding or my major started out as understanding and practicing activism through the artistic platform. Mm -hmm. My major ended up being challenging social constructs through music and literary arts since I ended up doing a thesis in creative writing. So it shifted a little bit, but it's still in the same sort of vein of activism, arts, creative writing. That's pretty cool. Well, I mean, it definitely shows in what you put out on your social media. I mean, I follow you on Instagram. I follow you on TikTok. You're constantly creating. You're always putting stuff out there. And you could say that a lot of artists today do that. They use the different avenues of social media, but none as consistently of the high quality that you're putting out. I don't know how many TikTok videos I, I, I saw that had the new single in the back, but up until I actually heard the song in full, you made it work because the more you kept putting it out, the more I got excited to hear it. It sounds nothing like your first two tracks, but yeah. that's really cool that you were able to go to college and kind of pursue your own major. I mean, I never had that option. I wonder what I would have chosen. Exactly. Probably not what I did. <laughs> What did you end up choosing? Well, I was a communications major at St. John's University, and I was heavily involved in the uh, college radio station and the TV club. Okay. And I worked in television for about 13 years. I did a lot of different stuff. I did on-air operations. I did project management, training, ad sales. And after a while, I guess I just kind of got jaded. I do something else full-time, but everything that I was able to learn in terms of how to speak with people, how to communicate, how to edit, how to make videos and things like that. I'm putting it into use right now. So right. I can't say that, you know, it was all for nothing. So, mm -hmm. But yeah, you know, precisely. I mean, definitely, if you could choose what you want to study and somehow work it into what you would like to do or what you want to do, then I think, you know, that's half the battle right there. Got so, a point, though. I do wonder about the accessibility of it because so many of my peers and people that I have in my life say, oh, that would have been so good for me. Maybe I would have actually gone to school if I had that option. I would probably say to me, the best thing about it is that you'd kind of hold yourself accountable for right. making sure that you succeed on your own, mm -hmm. which, which is important. And yeah, it's you know, hard skill to learn. Well, from what I could tell, it's working for you. So that's great. Keep yeah, it, up. it was well worth it. <laughs> so a little backstory into the life of one baby ghost. What was it that got you into music, art, and we'll even say activism? And uh, before you begin, I just want to preface this. She made a good point before we went on air and said that 
as long as we could agree to disagree and you agree to my right to live, we're all good. That's the only thing I care about. So I have a platform. Baby Ghost is my guest. I want them to speak and say what they got to say. And I bet you, no matter what, at the end of this interview, you'd be like, wow, they actually had a really good discussion. So <laughs> stick around. You'll learn something. Please continue. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've been doing music my whole life. Um, my parents had a really diverse catalog of what they listened to, which definitely influenced where I went for many years unknowingly. But then I realized later on that that played a big part in wanting to pursue music in the first place. So I joined my first choir when I was like six and continued to do theater and music until, you know, I was able to join more serious like acapella groups and stuff like that, that were able to travel. We did things like singing in South Korea. Um, we sang at the Apollo Theater in New York, which was absolutely wild. I was going to go to college as a classical voice major and auditioned all these different places, NYU, Juilliard, CalArts, the whole nine yards, um, and then took a year off, which changed everything like super drastically. I moved out of the house when I was still in high school. And so I was living on my own the year that I had off and I contemplated even going to college. I started changing my lifestyle a lot and realizing that individuality was never something that I was really afforded um, in a lot of aspects. So that's when the activism really started to sort of like turn gears in my head because I started smoking weed, actually. Uh, can I talk about this? Ooh, that's good weed. <laughs> I don't partake in it, but I respect people's right to do it. So okay, cool, cool, it's cool. all good. <laughs> and honestly, if you don't like it, I'm sorry. I don't put a disclaimer in, in the beginning of the show. The show's for everybody. Fast forward but, 20 seconds. But <laughs> if you're a parent, please be responsible, okay? I can't, exactly. I can't raise my daughter and yours. Continue. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I was one of those people that thought that weed was really terrible, going to, you know, bring you down a path of hard drugs and no return. And I was raised Catholic and I had these really deep set views of a lot of things that were interconnected. And so when I started smoking weed, I started studying the history of the war on drugs and the history of cannabis prohibition, which made me realize I was completely wrong about so much that I had thought about cannabis and consumption and stigmas and, you know, even legalization, which was happening that year in California. I think a uh, lot of people are realizing this now, too. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so I thought, like, you know, if I'm wrong about that, I'm probably wrong about a lot of other shit. Um, and so I started looking into, like, where I was from and the environment that had raised me and really, like, interrogating that um, and came to the realization that, I come from a really racist place with a lot of racist people, which meant I inherently was racist, whether I wanted to admit it or not. And that didn't mean that I was like a terrible person out to do awful things. It just meant, you know, with my inherent biases and the things that I was exposed to, I didn't have a lot of diversity in my mindset. Where, um, where were you raised, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, no, not at all. I was raised in wine country, Santa Rosa specifically um in northern california 
So it was, you know, a, a great awakening for me to realize like, oh, maybe I actually don't know anything. Um, and then I thought, okay, I do want to go to school because I do want to learn about things, but more importantly, unlearn things that I had thought were fact and were absolutely things that I couldn't argue whatsoever. I did a little tour. I found the Johnston Center on that day, which was the school within the school. And immediately that day I applied, I wrote my essay about straight out of Compton. I was like, here's a great example about how music can be used as a vehicle for change and politics. So we're talking about the film. Also the album in some aspects. I ended up doing a paper later on the album because we studied it in a class that I took called Race, Sex, and Class in Popular Culture. Um, so it came back around, but I did write about the film because I was watching it like, at the exact same time as writing the essay. So I thought, oh, what a perfect you know, culmination of things here. I know exactly what I'm going to study. Um, and, you know, I ended up doing that and learning a lot more. Obviously still am. Um, somebody said the other week, once we stop learning, we're dead. <laughs> I am the biggest proponent of taking in what you can out of this life and making the best of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm constantly learning things like I've I've mentioned my age on this show before. If you want to know how old I am, just watch past episodes. But I learned the guitar when I was a teenager coming on 30 years later, I'm still playing, but I'm still learning. And I think like right. being able to talk to other musicians, other guitar players, I learn more from them. You know, mm. I try to come from the uh, Randy Rhodes school of thought where it's like, you know, you keep learning and, you know, you share that knowledge with others. As far as what you experienced growing up, and I'm not one that would say that you're wrong for thinking what you think or feeling what you feel. I think that it's important, you know, to, to hear people out on what it was like for them growing up. I could say for me, so we could have something to relate to. I grew up in Astoria, Queens in, in New York City, and I was fortunate enough that I was able to grow up with a huge melting pot of different people, different religions, different, you know, colors, what have you. And I'm happy to say that none of those things ever became an issue for any of us when it came to making friendships. Because I think in the end, we all kind of realized, you know, we're all trying to survive high school together. And at the time in the mid to late 90s, when I was going to school, maybe it's safe to say that it wasn't tumultuous a time as it is now. Or maybe it just wasn't spoken about then. But I think to base relationships or friendships solely on this is ridiculous. Exactly. And that's the problem also is you have people trying to diversify their environment, but it's like you have to make sure you're diversifying your environment sincerely and not tokenizing people in order to surround yourself with, you know, whatever. But I completely agree that um, it's never mattered, but we, we make issues out of it for, you know, not knowing certain things or whatever. In my case, it was just pure ignorance for so long was hurting people that I didn't even realize until years later. And I was like, oh, maybe I should have said that in that moment, you know, but 
I know what you mean. Exactly. But, but, you know, it's funny, like, you know, we've spoken on Messenger a bunch of times and I could tell you're, I don't think you'd be the type of person who would ever hurt anybody maliciously or intentionally. So, you know, I I think you should live with a clear conscience on your head. Absolutely. You know, you do, you do good things by putting out good music that people like myself enjoy and want to hear. And I've always said, you know what, if people can't unite on opinion, then hopefully they can unite on good tunes. And, you know, exactly people like you that put it out that I'm grateful for. Thank you. Well, that's the whole, you know, my whole idea going into this major was like, music is the universal language. Go ahead, say what's the name of my podcast. (laughs) Music is life. Hells yeah. I mean, that is no joke because everyone can make it. Everyone has access to it in some capacity, not in the same capacity, of course, because there's capitalism in music, but like it is everywhere and everyone hears it. And it's totally a vehicle for, you know, changing the way that people live and conduct themselves and think about things whether people realize it or not, it gets in your head subliminally. So <laughs> there's no escaping. No, definitely not. Aside from NWA, who were some of the other artists that made a huge impact on your life? I always go to Tracy Chapman because, you know, she was like the first album, her self-titled album was the first one that I really remember ever listening to. Like one of my first memories is Tracy Chapman's album because it was always part of my life and it was always playing that is Um, amazing i mean you don't hear that many people talk about her yeah which blows my mind she's incredibly talented yeah incredibly talented and at one point was so well known for fast car alone that when you play that song and people don't know it it just kind of like boggles my mind because oh man is your tea Um, ready (laughs) (laughs) somebody's causing a ruckus outside uh, um, hey, quiet out there. <laughs> yeah. Hooligans. Then you can say, shut um, the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I've done that a couple times. Oh, man. Right. I'm from well, Queens, so, you know, that becomes very commonplace. <laughs> oh, yeah, I bet. It's a rare occurrence in Redlands, California. Yeah, I mean, Tracy Chapman gets so much credit in my book for influencing my songwriting and, you know, music and politics politics and music definitely shows up in her work and everything else that my parents listen to all the time always is now all the time always on repeat in my own life you know my mom's a huge stevie nicks fan Fleetwood mac is just always on repeat classic just a lot of the female rockers were always playing like pat benatar and you know i'm super grateful for that um, to not just have had a bunch of men to listen to, which is awesome. I did have a bunch of men, but I also had the counterbalance, you know, so. I hear you. I give so much credit to the girls out there that are just killing it, like Orianthi, like Nilly Broch, like Alice Cooper's guitarist, Nita Strauss. They are just killing it. And I love listening to them 
as much as I listen to a lot of the 80s male shredder guitar players. I hope one day they get recognized for their talent on a grander scale. And if they don't, hey, that's okay. More for us to enjoy. I just want to promote music that's outside of the mainstream, that disrupts the status quo. The more hell raising they do, the happier I'll be. Yeah, exactly. My last semester, I took a Riot Girls class. It was all about the Riot Girl movement and also the precedents that were set for the Riot Girl movement. So looking at the foundations of rock and roll being all Black women, you know, and just like the power that that holds that still needs to constantly be acknowledged. Um, but also like Bikini Kill and the Go-Go's and like all these people that are just badass girl groups that were emphasizing girls to the front um, mm. is something that I would really love to implement in my own music and especially like live shows. It's just like girls to the front, you know? <laughs> yeah. I love L7 uh, growing up. I thought Shitless was a killer song. Pretend, uh, pretend we're dead. I was glad to see that on MTV. A lot of people forget that the Wrecking Crew had a female bassist, Carol Kay. Yes, and dude. I love her. Oh my yeah. god! And she played a lot of stuff too, right? She played on she everything. Played everybody's shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it saddens me that you almost need to be a musician to really know who she is. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, yeah, no. Exactly. Exactly. That's the case for so many instrumentalists and songwriters as well. Is like, you never know who these people are, but they're oftentimes the most essential piece of the song coming together. And -hmm. everybody is just focused on the front person or vocalist, which, you know, I can't really complain about because that's me, but it's still kind of a little bit backwards in my head. It's like, guys, there's so many people involved. I totally get what you mean by, as a singer, you know, you gravitate towards the sing, uh, towards the vocalist. Um, I am not a singer. If I sung, your lawn would die. Um, <laughs> by the way, was that Black Panther or Batman up there? That is Batman. Very cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Comic book fan. Like it. Huge Batman guy. Yeah. Being a singer, I can understand why you gravitate towards vocalists and when it comes to the musician themselves, when it comes to their preference, you know, they want their thing to shine the most. I was all about bands like Shadows Fall and Killswitch Engage. And a lot of people heard their singer and they're like, why are they screaming? And I'm like, right. well, because it's, it's metalcore. But I was always a fan of the guitar players. But let me tell you, a lot of those singers in those bands, they could sing. And I, and I enjoyed it. So, you know, were you at all influenced by that as well? Um, a little bit because, uh, you know, I had a lot of different sort of areas to be inspired from in terms of like people in my life that I picked up music from. And my brother is five. I actually was adopted. So I have two brothers not related to me, my blood, but he's the one that is, you know, I grew up with and stuff. So his music's taste was definitely a lot heavier than mine or than the things that I was exposed to on my own terms and on what my parents would allow me to be exposed to. So he um, assisted me in rebelling musically and turning me on to some more, you know, like heavy stuff and like making sure 
I got the CD of the Metallica and San Francisco Symphony concert when he went with my dad and just, you know, hooking it up in little ways like that that my parents wouldn't know about. I saw that concert in New York. I loved it. That was my first time seeing them. It was amazing with the orchestra. So crazy. I know. That also was something that like clicked in my head to where I was like, this is something weird. And I didn't realize until later, it was like a genre fusion that, you know, people don't often do like metal and symphonies. And they were like, yeah, we can swing this. We can innovate this. I think it's going to get to a point where eventually music is just going to become a combination of all styles in one. And I'm hearing it because like, take someone like Tony Santana from my music collective. You know, he's as influenced by, as he told me, Black Sabbath and Pantera and Metallica and Megadeth as he is by Biggie and Tupac and exactly stuff like that. And I think it's going get, to get to a point where the lines are going to be blurred. You kind of see it now because like a lot of the metal bands that are on labels like Sumerian, the way that they drop their lyrics and their vocals, it's almost like the way a rapper does. Like if, if you listen to a band like exactly. After the Burial, you're like, okay, this dude's definitely influenced by hip hop, but I like it and it's good. So right. Mhm. And even in like some pop music, you know, we're seeing like Lizzo do sort of like a rhythmic tuned vocal line to where it's not really rapping, but it's not really singing. It's sort of on like a almost Fuji's kind of vibe. And then you have like Ed mm. Sheeran in the loop pedal and he's doing like, you know, Obviously, he's got all his crap pop stuff that goes on the radio, but his real good shit with the loop pedal. I love Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran put me onto the loop pedal. That's like my main thing that I do. I don't have any loops out yet, um, mm-hmm. so that's coming. But I mean, he put me onto it when I realized that he didn't just do the Lego house. Like he was actually doing this crazy rhythmic stuff and singing over it like he was rapping referring to himself as a rapper like in this stuff and I was like what Ed Sheeran's not a rapper but the more you listen the more it's like well maybe this kind of is a little bit of rap so like all of these different genres are I totally agree pulling in all this stuff and soon enough everything's just going to be genre fluid and it'll be genre fluid probably and from that more styles will erupt from that and exactly. I think that's the only way that music can keep growing and keep evolving. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I would just say to any musician out there, take what you got, put it in a blender, throw it against the wall, see what sticks, you know, yes. it's, 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 it's granted that it'll catch. Exactly. Exactly. And that's really what I'm trying to do now while I'm still new everywhere and don't have stuff out because I took all my old shit down it's like I can do a better days and a piano ballad and then a hip-hop song with Tony and you know Pac-Man and have the opportunity to explore all this different stuff and not brand myself into a certain genre box I think that's important I pray this doesn't happen to you But I can't stand it when the mainstream media will take one thing about an artist and then they'll just roll with that throughout the trajectory of their entire career. 
And it keeps them from expanding on their own, expanding their Mm -hmm. listenership. It's like they're stuck being one thing. And to me, the point of art is to be creative. If it sells records, great. But the point is you're trying to put part of yourself out there that you're comfortable with the world seeing and hopefully getting something out of it as much as you got out of it, right? Creating it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I hope that doesn't happen to you where it's like you get that pigeonhole thing. I know me too. But the thing is like, I did, like I said, my capstone in um, creative writing, but I did it mostly in poetry and nonfiction. So I studied a lot of poetry um, in college and, the biggest thing that I learned from that, which is completely applicable to any sort of art form is, you know, like you make your art and then it doesn't belong to you anymore. If you put it in the world, it doesn't belong to you anymore because people are going to take it and they're going to interpret it how they will. And you can't walk with your piece. You can't introduce it to the world. We can't, but are people going to listen? You know, that's a whole other thing. You can't walk with it. You just kind of have to let it go and let people take it how they will and use it how they will because it's not yours anymore, really. It seems a little harsh, but it kind of is, I guess. I guess it goes with the territory. You have to be willing to, like I said, give that side of yourself up for people to come in and, and observe it and take it in. I think, though, that one thing as an independent artist that you probably have as a feather in your cap is that you have the ability to learn about the industry on your own so that this way, although the song itself could be interpreted by many people, it's like you still claim ownership. It's like, this is mine. This is my property. These are my ideas. And yeah, they're for you to share, but this is what you want to do as a career. This is what you want to do for your life. You have these avenues now where you could not just understand it better, but just let it work to your advantage. Do you feel as though you have the edge on your side because you have these different avenues open to you and this better understanding of it? Because I'll tell you one thing, artists back then didn't have that. It's like they had to sign to a label to, unfortunately, a lot of them fell flat on their face. But now because you have avenues like CD Baby or you have you know, people who support you like Tony. And I know that he cares about the people that he works with to the point where he wants them to prosper as much as he he wants himself to prosper. Has that, has that been an easy road for you to, to get to this point? Oh yeah. Well, you know, I met Tony when I opened for him when he was in brand three years ago or so connected. He was like, wow, your loop pedal is really great. You're going to do great things and he got me absolutely everything um, that I needed to learn where to go what to do and he's still helping me with that helping me wrap my head around the process and so that's made things super easy and of course like getting signed with Symphonic and Vidya as distribution companies being linked in with them was super helpful because DistroKid is not the easiest to navigate when you can't talk to real people. That's a name I wish I never heard again for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a pain in the ass trying to separate myself from them and get all my old music down and stuff. They were like, we can't help you. And I was like, I know you can. Just give me the goddamn phone number 
and let me speak to somebody because I'm sick of talking to these robots. And so, you know, I finally got past that and now I'm steadily working on music and I think my major set me up perfectly for this as well because it's, you know, as an independent artist, I have to hold myself accountable for promoting my shit, making sure I post the TikToks, you know, getting people to have my music in their face some way or another, because that's the only way they're going to get exposed to it right now. And so I think, yeah, my major was a perfect segue into this starting to release stuff because I have sort of like, you know, a lot of tools on my belt now and a better understanding of how to manage my time and my finances and all of my energy around making music without it becoming too stressful because it's my life. I can't have music becoming the stressful thing if it's my one true passion and thing that I want to do forever. So I have to say something to your credit. You are among the list of musicians that I've had on my show where they are not taking the easy way to try (laughs) to achieve their goals. And (laughs) the fact that you and and countless other people that have had on on the show have shown such intelligence and such drive to get to that point. For me, it's so reassuring that music is something of value and is a commodity that is not to be laughed at or made fun of or just be devalued. I Mm -hmm. I think it's wonderful that people like you that are outside of the current system are making it work. I think it's something that would bring hope to not just younger musicians, but even old fogies like me. So, (laughs) you know, thank you for doing that. Yeah, thank you for saying that. I mean, that's reassuring on my end too. But, you know, five people could show up to my show and I'm going to be thrilled because that's five people I get to share my craft with and like what I've worked my entire life to really study and share my love for. I get to share that with them. So speaking of which, you do have three singles available that I immediately downloaded on iTunes as soon as I (laughs) saw them. Thank you. The first one was Stranger Deja Vu, which I fell in love with right off the bat. Then there was in retrospect, which I actually thought at one point they were sort of like the A side, B side, but they were two separate singles. And then all of a sudden, Better Days came out. And I just said, wow, Baby Ghost is going to kill the world. I can't (laughs) wait. As someone who grew up a fan of metal, hardcore, punk, pop, new wave, and I just got all of that out of listening to this one song. And I was just like, this is so refreshing. And it really pisses me off that they don't play stuff like this on the radio. You know, like, I I wish this for you. I really do. Or at least I wish that someone on on, on a platform greater than this can get a hold of that and just showcase it. The one thing that I'll say that, that I love most about your music is that it doesn't sound the same. Everything is different. It's all you, but it's all different. When you're creating, like, what's your mindset? I think it helps that I create on a lot of different instruments. My main instrument, like I said, is the loop pedal because I come from choral and acapella singing I do a lot of like my loop set is just my voice um so I'll build a beatbox and then sing over it and then I'll do a melody but then 
you know, when I was recording during school, I couldn't really record my boot pedal. I didn't know how, and I didn't know where to start looking for ways to learn that. Um, and so I had to translate my loops to, you know, keys or guitar or some other thing. Um, and so that gave me sort of some versatility in figuring out new songs like, okay, well, I can start at any of these places. I can start with the loop or I can start with the keys or I can start with the guitar. Or I can just start with my voice. It doesn't really matter. Also doing poetry and especially writing my capstone this last year, doing my thesis, I started translating a lot of my poems to songs. And so, you know, most of the time, that's initially how I start is lyricism and then melody. Wait a most minute. Time, you write the lyrics awesome. first? Most of the time, yeah. I yeah. never figured out how to do that. That's the same. <laughs> I write the lyrics with a rhythm. You know, like the first two lines will determine the rhythm and sort of like the structure of the entire song. And then a lot of times I'll write them in tandem, the melody and the lyrics. I'll write a couple lyrics and then I'll do the melody of the verse and I'll figure out the melody of the chorus and just work back and forth. That's sort of like how I'm most comfortable is the fusion of the two. But because I was writing so much poetry and having to generate so much written work this past year, a lot of it ended up becoming music. I'll try anything musically and I love experimenting. So that's kind of where the better days versus all my piano ballads dichotomy came from was just me being like, yeah, Paramore was my life forever. Haley Williams was a huge inspiration to me. She rocks, definitely. Yeah. And so I think that song is definitely very Paramore-esque and has some, even like maybe a little bit of country undertones at some points. That's a little risky to say, but I definitely do have that influence as well. Have you ever written a song where you listen back to it and then you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I wrote that. Has it ever happened to you yet? Yeah, it happened with a couple songs in the last year because it was from poetry to song. And then I was kind of just like, oh wait, what the hell? But I am really brutal on myself in the revision process with my songs that I'm really like, dead set on like knowing that they're going to be perfect I make sure they go in through a lot of revision and where it's when it's something that I'm just going in for a day and like recording something with someone I'll just bang it out and give them whatever comes out which was what happened with better days I wrote that in like a day maybe like I don't know, a couple hours or something. That's insane that you wrote that in a day. And it's probably one of my top 10 songs of the year. So oh, I'm so glad. Well, Tony wrote the part of it. I Quit Your Sick Addiction to It's Time That Light First Strikes. He wrote all of the first verse. But I come in on the rest of it. So it was a collaborative process. <laughs> Any other collaborations coming up in the near future? I've been collaborating with a lot of folks. Um, going in with Forte this week, who makes beats. And he just made like the sickest beat that I wrote over. Um, and we're about to track that. And then I just did a hip hop song with Paxton and Tony that's going to be coming out somewhat soon. Um, working on a track with Vintage, another mob artist um, who's genius she's awesome um, cool. and she just 
recently, somewhat recently dropped an EP that's like great. And then I, you know, I hopped on like a heavy metal song with Tony, but I think we might like rework it. So excited to see. I want in. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's so good. And then of course, Alex on the drums, he's been killing it. I've been in his spot too, working on some shit. So awesome. So you definitely have. You definitely have some new stuff coming out already. That's great. Oh, I cannot yeah. wait to hear it. So I follow you on Instagram. I follow yes. you on TikTok. Yes. And I'm d- definitely going to post all the links where people could find you in the YouTube description below. And I'll even have it on the audio podcast so people can link straight from it. But where else can people learn more about Baby Ghost? I just finished a zine. So here's my zine. It's like a business card, but more fun and interactive. And it has some info on the back. So I am selling these for like $2 on Instagram. If you DM me, it has all of my info. Or you can just follow my Instagram slash TikTok. And I now have a Vivo channel. So Baby Ghost Vivo, I'm dropping two videos this month. One is coming out tonight, actually. Very excited. It's the Stranger Deja Vu. And then Better Days video is awesome. out very soon as well. So Vivo, Instagram, TikTok. No official and site? For the Z. Not yet, but it's in the works. Awesome. I am... Under construction at the moment. <laughs> okay. And and when when that does get released, we'll definitely update this video with the .com, .net, whatever you want to use. I don't know. Mm-hmm. GeoCities. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm really dating myself. Anyways. <laughs> Baby Ghost. It's all about the link tree. Uh, yes. I I think I posted 15 links on my link tree. And uh, yeah. even I got to admit, I'm like, God, we're everywhere. Rats out review. But uh, <laughs> it's all good. You know, we're trying to... Uh, expand this we're trying we're trying to take over the podcast world yeah that's the goal that's the plan with me as a second in command Uh. (laughs) oh wait who's the first wayne noon is the main man behind ratsaw review him and i have been Mm. friends for 20 years he's a drummer and he really believed in my podcast when nobody else did and now it's grown up to this you know now i actually have lighting and they have green screen. Yes. So. <laughs> we love to see it. And you're the, actually the first interview that I have green screen with. So really? What do you oh. think? Keep it? Wow. Yeah, no, I love it. It's looking awesome. good. Thank you so much. Baby Ghost, I cannot yeah. thank you enough for partaking in this chat with me. I love your music. I think what you're doing will bring goodness and positivity hopefully not just to whoever listens to it, but on a grand level. I hope you take over the world. I really do. Hey, man. Me too. <laughs> Keep Thank making you ass so and doing what you're doing. No problem. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you. Yeah, you as well. Thank you. If you want to check out more, please look below and you'll find the links to see wherever you can catch baby ghost hopefully at a venue near you now that venues are opening up having concerts again you never know fingers crossed check out our parent network ratsawreview.com and check out some of the other podcasts that are on that network including beyond bushido suck my balls the south park podcast i kid you not that's the name of the show i did not name it (laughs) i actually could do a good Eric Cartman back in the day. Let me see if I can still do it. How would you like to check my bars, Mr. Garrison?
Oh my god! Please do not sue wow. me, Trey Parker and Matt Stone. <laughs> <laughs> also, check out the Right Opinion with Harrison Bergeron. Check out Old Man's Metal Musings, and also check out Vieira Vault with Ralph Vieira, and also check out the Parent Show Ratsa Review, and of course, Musings Live Podcast. Please like, subscribe, comment, send me hate mail. I don't care. I need something. If you want me to listen to your band, please contact me at lumavs at musicislifepodcast.com. If you like the network and you like the show and you want to support it, please donate to my PayPal at musicislifepodcast at gmail.com. And also all the links for wherever you can find me will be listed down below. Once again, Baby Ghost, thank you. Of course. Thank you. And remember, Music is Live podcast, all art is valid. Good night. Thank you so much for listening to the Music is Live podcast. Music is Live podcast is brought to you by Anchor.fm and RatsaReview.com. Check out the other shows on Ratsa Review, including Beyond Bushido, Old Man's Metal Musings, The Right Opinion, Suck My Balls, a South Park podcast, The Vieira Vault, and the Timo Toki podcast. Graphics for the video portion of the show were done by Rocky Baia. For commissions, find him on Twitter at R-O-C-K-Y-B-A-I-A. Intro and outro music for the show is Lose Control by The Rebel Medium, written by Jacqueline Guitard, Ernest Leug, and myself. If you'd like to donate to the channel, or if you're in a band and you want me to review you, then donate to my PayPal at musicislivepodcast at gmail.com. Special thanks to Wayne Noon and Greg Noggle, with much love and gratitude to Aaron, Anna, and Aloysius. For more information, including where to find me on social media, check out musicislifepodcast.com, and don't forget to check out ratsireview.com. Remember, all art is valid. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Looking for some new podcasts to listen to? Well, Rat Sound Review Network has plenty of shows to choose from, like Rat Sound Review where they discuss the latest rock and metal news, as well as interviews and albums. Album vs. Album, the King Diamond Podcast, with Wayne Noon, Greg Noggle, and sometimes this guy. Smack him a gob! Ralph Vieira is also on our network with the Vieira Vault. There's also Old Man Metal's Musings, where he discusses heavy metal and beer. Music is Life with Lou Mavs. The Right Opinion for Those Who Love Politics. A South Park podcast called Suck My Balls. The Infinite Fringe. A watch-along wrestling show called Beyond Bushido, Extradivarius guitarist, the Timo Tolki podcast, and the great Harry Barnett with I Don't Even Like Podcast and the Laughcast. So check out RatsoundReview.com or search RatsoundReview on YouTube, Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and more.